0: Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
2: Hello and welcome back. I'm Nedra Glover Tawab, and you need to hear this. Today, we are talking to Kier Gaines, and it is an exciting conversation. In this conversation, you will hear us laughing a lot and talking about mental health, social media, and relationships. Let's get into it. I am so excited to talk to you. You are one of my faves. You know, I only follow less than 100 people because I like to, I don't know, be intentional about what I look at. I feel like if you follow too many people, it starts to repeat. And so Mm -hmm. I am always like excited to see your content that includes your family and Yeah, it's a breath of fresh air. It's highly produced and just beautiful. It's beautiful. So thank you for being in the social stratosphere.
3: Oh, man. It's crazy you say that. First time meeting you in person was when? What was that? Was that last year?
2: Last October at Alex Ailes book event. Book release. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: And I saw you and I grabbed you and I just hugged you. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even. I don't even know if you're a hugger. But I was just so appreciative to be in your space because I feel like I learned so much from you. You're one of mm-hmm. my favorites, too. I know we're exchanging pleasantries, but mm-hmm. every time I see you, I'm always going to tell you how much I love you. Your approach to the work is so straightforward. You give so many little gems. You make the most out of every little word you use. Like you squeeze all the value out of it, and I, I just love your approach so much. So I'm honored to be here. What you talking about?
2: What? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Since we started talking about social media, mm-hmm. when did you show up in the Instagram space? When did you? Start creating mental health relationship-based content in that space.
3: Maybe about two years ago, I've been making social media content for the better part of... Since 2011, I've been making social media content pretty consistently.
1: Mm. And
3: when I first started, it was just me, you know, single guy talking about single guy stuff, walking down the street, whatever struck the mood. And then after a while, I would engage the audience. So I would ask them questions like that Usher song. I used to think, you know, what's bad is you're the one that hooked us up. knowing oh, should be. Oh, I used okay. to think he said, but but what's sad is I want her butterball things to do i don't know butterball things to do doesn't make sense right so i started asking my audience questions like that and then i became a dad and it became about fatherhood and then i had that video explode and i had hundreds of thousands of people come in and my manager i had she pulled me to the side like hey yo you need to start talking about therapy Mm. i was like i don't want to tell people what to do i had just got my license Like, nah, I'm not comfortable with that. She said, when you're comfortable, I think that needs to be the lane. And Mm -hmm. the fatherhood space, like after George Floyd died, there was like this boom and everyone wanted to know what men and Black men and fathers thought. And then it just started dwindling down and people were not as interested in that content anymore. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing therapy related content for about three years now. And I love it. I love it. I want to change it for the world.
2: So you've seen the landscape sort of transform. I wasn't using Instagram until 2017. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Let me tell you, I first downloaded the app, oh my gosh, maybe 2012 or something. I thought it was a picture editing app. And I would go on there and I would edit my pictures and save them in my phone. So a few years later... I started looking at it a little bit and I was like, uh, not sure I want to connect with people in this way. <laughs> in 2017, I have a group therapy practice here in Charlotte. My clients, I just noticed this trend of them just swiping, swiping, swiping. Now, of course, they're talking about Instagram. And I was like. Let me take a peek. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, I think I can contribute. And I just started creating content um, first under my practice umbrella. Then I transitioned it to Nedra Tawwab. But yeah, so I feel like I'm a late adopter. What have you seen? The Well, even in 2017, it was still very much like when people post, you could see what they posted yeah. recently. And now yeah, yeah. it's like... You don't even see the people you follow. It's like, do I still follow this person? Like, what happened to all the cats? I don't see yeah. them
3: anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, they think they're for us now. Yeah, and every, yeah. And want has kind of fallen by the wayside. I wouldn't imagine that you would be that recent of an adopter of Instagram, especially because I follow you on threads, too. And I see mm. the way that you use it. You use a lot of social media strategy. it Hmm. it feels like you've been doing it for a long time yeah like even your threads content is slightly different than your ig content
2: Mm. maybe social media is just like deep down in my spirit (laughs) and it's been dying to get out i've been really enjoying threads it seems a little more wholesome in that space Mm -hmm. i'm appreciating the just conversation and being able to maybe chat without interruption. There's no mm-hmm. DMs. There's not a lot of ads and, and stuff happening yet. And so I appreciate that part of it. As a creator, yeah. where are you in all of this, all of the changes that are happening, even in the mental health you know, portion of things? Because I think even with that, there is, shall I say, more saturation of mental health experts or therapists and wellness coaches and all sorts of things. So where do you see yourself in the rhythm of what he is right now?
3: I'm not sure where I see myself. Sometimes I want to be more of a traditional clinician and just stick to here's the problem here's my observation. Here's some things that could be helpful, quick, easy, and out of there. But I am also the type of clinician that brings my whole personality into the practice. And what I learned from folks is it's a little risky sometimes putting your family and your, I guess you could say your personal business out there. But when you disclose that, when I disclose that information, I find that it gives people that look like me a, a roadmap, just seeing things differently. It helps them reframe some of the things that's going on in their own lives. And people who look nothing like me and probably will never meet a person that looks like or talks like me in real life. It gives them a different template than what their brain has already thought a person like me would look and act. So I love the connection that I get with people. I agree with the oversaturation and I don't really have an issue with the oversaturation as long as we're still being clinically sound.
4: Mm. And
3: the problem comes in where there's social media right here, the things that make you a successful social media person and the things that make you a successful clinician, that Venn diagram don't always meet in the middle. Because I find a lot of clinicians really hyper fixating on trauma, specifically childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And within that scope, there's a lot of room for you to generalize and be very wrong. But I will tell you, when you talk about people's childhood trauma, they start commenting, they start clicking buttons, the engagement increases. I'm just not sure if that's the most healthy thing to start a conversation on where you can't put a Band-Aid over that wound you just opened. You know what Mm. I mean?
2: Yeah, I think there are certain topics that I've shied away from talking about on social media that I talk a lot about in practice. I think sexual abuse is one of those.
3: Absolutely.
2: It's just like it's so much there. I don't have a listicle
3: for that. Right. I
2: don't have a, a deck, a slide, you know, like there's that is a one on one conversation sort of topic and so there are just certain things where it's like addiction you know addiction is yeah. another challenging because it's like well is it addiction is it not like what well, was was it mental like there are so many topics that i find it's just really challenging to talk about in a digestible way even still mm-hmm. on social media what i started to see a few years ago And I still see it a little bit with clients is them watching maybe TikTok videos or, you know, seeing something on social media and bringing that to the treatment space and saying, I know this person is a narcissist. I know I have ADHD because I seen this thing. I made an appointment and I did this thing. Like, can you talk about how people can, you know, maybe approach the information they're receiving? on social media?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I think social media is a place that, I think it's a good idea to approach the information with a healthy level of skepticism. One, because there's not enough time for you to get a breath, a large breath of information about it. And two, you don't know the person you're getting the information from more often than not. Like for instance, I use WebMD all the time. It's a really good comparative. WebMD, one time I was having some issues with my shoulder and me being 22 and not making a lot of money and not having great insurance, I didn't want to go to the doctor. So I looked up, you know, what's going on with me on WebMD. Do you know what they said I
2: had? John, stage-
3: oh no, no, no I'm no,
2: joking. No, no not <laughs> John. stage
3: three ovarian cancer.
2: Oh my gosh! Without an ovary?
3: No, I don't have a singular ovary. <laughs>
2: oh my! I don't gosh. have one.
3: And I remember going to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, yo, stop looking at WebMD. It's overly generalized information. And Mm. and sometimes (laughs) ailments don't show up in real life the way they'll show up on something like WebMD. It's not always going to be perfectly scripted that way. And I think we need to think about that when it comes to mental health and mental health resources that we consume on social media. Look, it's even something as simple as anxiety. It's not Mm -hmm. simple, but even something that's commonly talked about as anxiety, there are Times where we have to understand that our lived experience, our brain chemistry, the environment that we live in, the way our cultural belief system is worked on, all of these things are going to affect the way anxiety looks inside of us. However, if I was to just read a list of what anxiety looked like, just general lists, I probably wouldn't be able to identify with a number of those things. So it's, look, social media is a great place to become aware of something, but it's not research. It's not a deep dive and you always have to consider the source. What gives you the right to give me professional information?
2: Yeah. And, you know, when we're using things on social media to diagnose just that, not just ourselves, but other people, right? It's like, (laughs) well, this person is a this or this person has that, you know, with diagnosis is really tough because I have to sit with the person And sort of determine that with the person, even with ADHD, you know, there's a hopefully a three step process where you go to a medical doctor, they talk to your school and they talk to your family Mm -hmm. because you want to be able to see these things showing up in different areas because a parent can say, oh, my gosh, they're always. Jumping up and down and the teacher is like, oh, my gosh, she's sitting in class and he'd be so helpful. And <laughs> you're like, what? Same kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because we present differently based on our environment, who's in the environment and so many other things. And so we may not understand how we attribute to this person doing certain things or how we may be retriggering some of their trauma. Who knows? Oh, for sure. For sure. So it's really hard to look at this stuff and say this other person person has these things and you know we'll get people sometimes you know I'm sure you in therapy will be like you know this person bipolar I'm like is that in writing (laughs) 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 is is that from a doctor or Dr. Seuss yeah you know like what doctor said that oh no they they, did they had a symptoms okay well You know, as you stated, when we look at various symptoms of things, it's important to consider it and to also talk to a mental health professional with some level of openness, because even that sometimes we'll go in and we're like, no, this is what it is. And they may say, could it be this other thing, Mm -hmm. you know, with depression in particular, when I have new clients, my thing is, well, go to your medical doctor and get your vitamin D check. That's the first thing. Because guess what? The same symptoms you have with depression are the same symptoms you will have with low vitamin D. Vitamin so if D deficiency, yep. this could be a medical issue. And yep. we're in here. Now you want a recommendation for a psychiatrist and all this stuff when you needed to go sit on a park bench.
3: Mm-hmm. And absorb some sunlight. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. it's I used to work on my own car all the time. Um I had a ninety-six Chevrolet Impala and it would have issues like the fuel pump will go out one day it just wouldn't start. And one thing I learned about working on my own car is you always start with, you do the little things first that can remedy the situation. Before I drop this engine and pay $5,000, let me make sure the spark plugs are okay. Let me make sure there's oil actually in the engine. Let me make sure that the gas is full. Let me make sure of all these little things that are easy for me to fix before I try to go and do some major surgery to this car. And sometimes with mental health, it's, it's a similar thing. Like you said, a vitamin D deficiency or... One thing I've been recommending to clients lately, if especially clients that have insurance, is to go and see a dietitian because mm-hmm. vitamin D isn't the only deficiency we have sometimes. A lot of us live in areas where there may be a food desert or we have home situations like kids or you know, whatever, where we just kind of eat what's available to us, and it may be all we can do in the moment, but those aren't the nutrients our body, our bodies really need in order to make sure that our, our mental health processes are going right, our emotions are regulated, and all of that good stuff. So, yeah, you got to check the small things first. You can't jump to I need a psychiatrist and I need some medication right now. It's like, well, you might or you might not. Let's mm-hmm. let's draw a bigger picture and see what's going on. But would you would you say that that's also something symptomatic of kind of like the social media culture we're in where things are quick fix they're hack oriented where it's jumping from step a to step z in order to shave time
2: i don't know if that is because of social media or if that is our impatience with sitting with discomfort of anything I think social media accelerates that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we we see the, the finish line in many people's lives because we don't get that backstory. But I think as humans, we don't like discomfort of anything. No. You know, it's like, eat better. You mean I got to chop this food up? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Wait a minute, move my body. I got to run, you know, like all of these things to get to this space of where you want to be, like the discomfort of the process of now I have to make another appointment. I have to go talk to this doctor. I need to do this thing. It's like you can't do anything today that'll make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you could say? And I don't know if you could tell by my content, but, you know, I like to be pretty fair and direct with people. I think with some folks I treat it as I may not see you again for a very long time so I want you to get the best of this hour that you can get and so let me say this this one session is not going to be very helpful I could give you 10 tools <laughs> that you could try to apply however this is going to be a process because you know you'll get clients who are like how long will this take well Seems like you've had this problem 47 years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You got to give me 7 weeks at least. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I get 70 months? <laughs> like what what are you going to give me? I mean you you've had this problem a long time and you want this resolution and I'm like you have to work through it. You know, there are going to be moments where you're not going to feel so great after our sessions. This might be the day you need to grab you some Chipotle to make you, you know, like whatever you need Mm -hmm. to do to boost your spirit, you know, go drink a Pepsi. But uh, it's going to be a tough day for you. There's there's nothing to soothe that discomfort and I do think that us seeing things on social media in this like rapid place these sped up videos from start to finish we think stuff is like quick and transformational if I read this book then I'll feel this way but there is so much practice in the process of the things that we see that we do neglect because we have a fast culture
3: fast culture that's only getting faster Mm -hmm. it's only getting faster
2: after the break we'll get right back to our conversation
0: trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education that empowers communities trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
4: The wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
1: Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution, a great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com, dot com.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree that social media probably exasperates that because even in my own life, I noticed that uh, the patients I had about five years ago in terms of my expected return on whatever i do i have a thinner threshold now i i find myself wanting things with more immediacy i find myself being frustrated with myself a lot uh, more quickly when i fall beneath my expectations not realizing that my expectations weren't reasonable for my bandwidth in this moment but there's a really important at least in my mind, like therapy is is two parts. There is the part that validates the things that you feel and puts words to the things that you feel. And then the other part that holds you to task. And when we talk about social media, it's, it's this beautiful validation tool and I think therapy works best when there's like the validation and the holding you to task. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say equal, but they play well together with some semblance of harmony. But on social media, the, the validation gets shot all the way up. You're good. You're right. You're just, you're powerful. You're all of these things, but the holding you to task and the encouraging you to sit with uncomfortable feelings and encouraging you to to meet difficulty with curiosity and not just defensiveness, that part isn't fun or comfortable or sexy. So it doesn't get talked about as much, especially not on my timeline and the things that I researched. So when clients come in and see me, I see that exasperated in them. I guess I see some of the things that I and my friends and uh, the other people that I work with out in the world, I see them struggle with. It comes all the focus in the session and the folks sitting across from me aren't much different. And I think that validation piece is what they're looking for. And you, you, you definitely get that. But the holding to task is where the real struggle begins. And that's where a lot of the work really starts for majority of people that I work with.
2: How do you see social media impacting relationships?
3: Oh my goodness, positively or negatively?
2: Oh, let's go positive first.
3: I think that people are more open than they were in terms of talking about their struggles. When my wife and I first started doing our podcast, people thought we were crazy for talking about our marriage. Like, this was like two years after Black Love came out on OWN. And that was the first time I ever saw folks being open about the struggles in their relationship that candidly. So people thought that we were crazy for doing it. And now I go on YouTube and there are thousands of couples that have podcasts and I think it's beautiful because you get to see the different colors of partnership you get to see how it looks in a bunch of different situations and scenarios and you can find something you can find a gem to put in your pocket out of all that you can find something to relate to something to glean some knowledge from something to inspire you but the downside is that it's a highlight reel you can smile in a picture with your wife and and make everything look I mean, perfect. The matching outfits, the curated content. I'm an editor. I can make it look however I want it to look. It doesn't tell the truth about the relationship or it doesn't Mm. paint a realistic picture of what, expectations what healthy expectations look like throughout a partnership um, you're going to get the good and the bad you're going to get the good and the bad and I, i'm starting to see a little bit of both what do you think is the 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 yin and the yang to that with social media in terms of what people are getting from relationships or what people are learning about relationships
2: i think it keeps us connected to people whether it's former classmates or you know friends and family i think the connection piece is there and I think the flip side of that is pseudo connection right we have stopped connecting with people in real life and we're connecting with people we don't know uh-huh. so the parasocial relationship has kicked up for many of us but not necessarily um, the intimacy in our personal relationship so yeah now I'm into Kier and his kids and his wife and you know all that stuff but I'm not dating. I'm not doing, you know, like all all of that stuff is, is not necessarily there. So I think there is some, uh, I don't know. I I would love to see us more present in real life in our relationships Mm -hmm. and to keep, those connections online in some way, but also the connections in person are really important. And I know that, you know, we do make friends online. We do build connections. We have groups online that build connection. And I think all of those things are wonderful. And is there something we could do in our neighborhoods with you know the people who live next door or you talking
3: talking now yeah yeah, you know
2: getting to know your neighbors getting to know you know the the parents of your your kids friends and that sort of stuff. Those are the relationships that I think are more impacted. I will tell you a few years ago, I moved and I got on next door because I lost the package. And so I just no,
4: got... you got on the next door app.
2: Let me finish. <laughs> I got on next door because I'm like, who has my package? Right. Yeah. And no one found my package. But I was walking through the neighborhood and the neighbor was like, what's your name? And I was like, Nadra, and he was like, Oh, yeah, I Googled you and you, and ran down my resume. And I was like, Weird. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, no. I got off of Next Door, but I was like, This is not the connection I want to have with people that now you feel like you. I can like look me up or, you know, who lives in your neighborhood. I don't know. But it was a really interesting experience because I felt like you were violating some level of privacy. Like my work has nothing to do with my house. Like I'm looking for a package. I don't know why you looked up my LinkedIn. (laughs) So, you know, I, I think there is sometimes like a breach of privacy. That's what I'm getting to. I think there is a breach of privacy sometimes with the Internet that we have information about people, both good and bad, because sometimes it's, you know, it's great to be able to look up stuff and be like, oh, my gosh, do not invite that person over. I don't know. But there are other times where it's like, you know, things about a person that maybe you need to naturally learn About them in conversation, not through looking up their resume, not through looking at their house. And you don't
3: like. Not not what you research. Not
2: what you research about the person, because there is something about people being willing to share certain parts of who they are with you. And then it can be informational about what they're not sharing. Mm hmm. So allowing those natural relationships to unfold, I think we maybe have lost some of that. And it's funny because I have Facebook for one year when I moved to Charlotte from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. I moved to Charlotte 2009. I have Facebook for one year. And during that year, it was so interesting how people felt like really familiar with me in a way that I just... I wasn't comfortable with. And I'm saying Facebook personally, not professionally, personally. Mm -hmm. I just felt uncomfortable with that. Like I like a barrier of like, I want to talk to you and tell you this stuff, right? And and I was learning stuff about people. I was like, I didn't want to know that about her boyfriend. You know, that's nothing I wanted to know about my cousins. I started like looking at my little cousins and I'm like. Yo, I got to unfollow you. You Absolutely. D- <laughs>
3: That's a lot. That's a lot for me right now. <laughs>
2: it's, it's a lot for a 16-year-old. I know your mama let you do it, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, And and look, I didn't say take yourself down. I said, let me unfollow you. Mm-hmm. So when I tell people on social media, you unfollow the person, I practice that. I don't think you need to change. I don't, you don't have to put on no more clothes. This is how people who are 17 years old dress. You wear what you want to. I can't look at it. I'm taking <laughs> I, myself
3: out of the group. Chat. I'm
2: taking myself out because I'm still looking at your baby pictures, okay?
3: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 funny because Facebook has given us this ability to maintain a level of connection with people that we otherwise they were, were really- falling off the limb a long time ago, but it's not to your point. It's it's not a, that natural of a relationship because it's like when you're on stage, when, when you're on stage, there are a thousand people and all they see is you. But when you look mm-hmm. out, you see kind of indistinguishable faces. It's not the same relationship both ways. And now I think I'm starting to get a lot of that since the social media has, I mean, we gained a lot of followers in a very short period of time. And it's come to the point now where there's nowhere I can go where someone doesn't recognize me. Mm. And at first it was really cool. And it's still really cool because people share these dope personal stories. But I think that there is... And perhaps I'm wrong. Whenever you post your personal life onto social media, I think that there is this in like inherent global understanding that you waive a little bit of your privacy, whether you agree to that or not. And mm. people feel inclined to lean in however they see fit because it's entertainment for them. They dive in. They want to know the backstory, the origin story. Well, who's this? What's that? They'll make connections to things that you've talked about and videos a year or two ago. And you have to balance that. At least I have to balance that with also this person really gets information from my page that they probably don't see anywhere else. Maybe they come from a family that doesn't even talk about mental health and therapy. And here I am speaking words to their legit lived experiences. And they're probably only going to meet me once. So what what am I going to leave them with? I may not be in a good mood. So how much of me am I willing to distribute to you right now with the bandwidth I have available? So it's just like balancing those things or trying to keep them both in mind while I maneuver through the world and, you know, try to be myself and do my one-two thing.
2: It's interesting to be on both ends of that because we have admired people. I'm sure you've admired someone to the point of like, oh, my gosh, if I saw this person and you are looked up to in that sort of pedestal way as well. And it is this thing of I think once you get into this space that we're in now, you do start to realize a bit more like, oh, my gosh, like these people are so regular. (laughs) It's like they deserve to have their moment in the grocery store. Right. They deserve. I I do think that being present on social media has made me more of an advocate for people being able to have privacy for people being able to have boundaries if they're a celebrity, because you do start to understand that although people are popular or they're creating this stuff they may not have necessarily signed up for what people look to them for
0: right Mm -hmm. they're like
2: I just wanted to be this actor in this movie I didn't want to you know do all this other stuff or you know I want to be able to be in a hair salon or you know be normal and do all these other things so that is a interesting space to observe but you know that person you may think of them as they may be a little more introverted than you see in their one-on-one, you know, videos. And so we have to be mindful that what we see may not be all parts of this person and that we're getting a piece of them, but it's not the complete story. One of the things I like, you know, when people meet me, they're like, oh my gosh, I love you. And I'm like, I am so excited. What is your name? Tell me about you because I want this. I want to know who you are. You know me. Girl, who are you? What's (laughs) your name? Karen? Hey, Karen. This your mama. Hey, Ma. You know, like I'm 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 as excited to meet you as you are to meet me. Like, I like people. I I I like and enjoy this work, but I want it to be like, I want you to know, yes, I'm in a grocery store. Yes, girl, I come to the plant pace. Hey, fella, I saw you over. You're like, I I want you to know I am a person, you know, so there are spaces where we have to be mindful of that with other people.
3: Yeah. I mean, you, you just talked about seeing someone and being like, oh, my God, like when. I saw Nedra and I was like, oh, hey, hug. Like, oh, wait, that just happened. My bad. I just, you get, you get excited and I try you to keep that, that after.
2: up. You said that after. Uh, but it's fine. I'm a, I'm a hugger. So it's, yeah, you said that. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, no, I'm a hugger. It's fine. No, I, I like people. So I'm typically okay with it. I, I, I am more concerned about the people who I'm with or the folks I'm around because they don't always sign up for it. If I'm, you know, it's a girl's night can be a little interesting when somebody come up to me and they just talking about me and not talking to the other people. So I do try to be mindful of those things. I don't mind. Right. But I'm with other people. And so I try to be respectful of spaces.
3: Yeah. I think that's something great to keep in mind. I I, I try to be honest with myself about where I am in the moment because I'm not like you. I don't like people as much. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> it I, I, was bad. Is my personality that does, it doesn't give that off, and I know okay. I've been dealing with that my whole life. I'm not as interested in small talk as people think I am. So they'll mm-hmm. come up and they'll want to make small talk, but I don't know you. There's nothing to talk about,
2: right? I'm and not interested. I don't want-
3: I'm not interested. So I found a really good way to dismount. Like when people in D.C., the slang we use is being wrapped up. When someone's just talking and they're not getting the the little small cues that you're not as interested in the conversation as they are and they just keep on going. So mm-hmm. I'll tell them, just the first thing I'll say is, I only got about three minutes, but I do want to talk to you for a minute. What's going mm-hmm. on? And about two minutes and 30 seconds I'm winding down that conversation and move throughout my day. Gotta be mindful of who you are And, and where your, your competencies lie. And my competencies don't lie. And talking to a group of strangers for an extended period of time about something that I'm not interested in. I just got to be honest with
2: myself about that. And, and I don't think you have to fake that. You know, I have two daughters and one, my youngest is very much like me. She is always like, me and mom love to talk to people. My oldest daughter. She's not really going to talk to people. I mean, if she know you, she'll talk. Mm-hmm. But she's very much like, hey, and off in her own world, she's not she's not that type of person. And so I think sometimes people been like, oh, she didn't say hi. And, you know, she's nine. those are your
1: expectations those are your
2: expectations they don't belong to her now this other one she will give you if she knew my social security number she will tell you because she will be like my my mother's name is Nedra and she wrote a book called set boundaries I'm like girl stop it we at the bus stop why are you telling these people that girl stop it is she's my publicist she really is likes to talk to people but that's her personality yeah, yeah. And that's the part we have to recognize and it could be with anything. I think there are certain things that we think it's workable with people and that's something else we see on social media right like if you're an introvert here's how to try to be an extrovert if you're this then here's how to get up at 5 a.m if you're that there are just some things about me that's not changing if you don't like people you may you just may not be a people person if you don't like small talk you don't have to make yourself have it right like there are certain things that we have to accept about ourselves and we have to encourage other people to accept that about themselves it's not personal is my personality but it's not personal to you it is who i am as a person
3: absolutely absolutely yeah as and you know just to piggyback off of that, there are times where we need to accept that our personalities have changed. I haven't always been like this. This is a Mm post-COVID personality. I wasn't like this before COVID. I Mm -hmm. I would love to make small talk with people and just yam on about anything or everything. And something about that two or three years, it changed my personality. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, we go through our life and there are different things that happen to us that makes, I'm not going to say that makes us different people, but the way that we show up is just different than it's ever been. And I know that that's a very tough thing to accept because you go on autopilot, you're used to this version of yourself. And and now that things are different, you can't quite put your finger on what it is or why it's that way. Maybe like there's a level of comfort that you just don't have with doing things that are unfamiliar, even within your own body. But there's something to be said for listening and paying attention to your body's responses when you're in environments and actually slowing down and listening and acquiescing just a little bit, mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. at first, just a little bit. Yo, I noticed I'm in these circles and I don't like it as much. Maybe I should do this a little bit less, even though that's not what I've traditionally done. It's, it's been a tough lesson to learn, but it's been very valuable. Very valuable. for
2: me. Yeah. Accepting that we are not, always the same and that there are some things about us that change and change is okay and that could be really hard like if you used to be a social person but you're not Mm -hmm. anymore if -hmm. you used to be you know a little more serious and now you're you know a little silly you know sometimes it's like oh i gotta get back to the old me no you don't Mm -hmm. this is the you that you are right now this is where you Mm -hmm. need to be this is it it is okay you may have another shift next year in 10 Mm -hmm. years who knows
4: to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
1: Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com.
2: Here's my last question. Um, Social media is here to stay. There have been books written. There are books being written about mm-hmm. the impacts of social media on our brains on, you know, there's a a book that I have called Girls on the Brink, which talks about um, adolescent girls and the impact of social media.
3: A lot of fascinating research there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Not enough research on the adults. Right. I yeah. think there needs to be more on the adults. But. Yes, but lots of fascinating research on adolescent girls in particular. Mm -hmm. We are all trying to figure out how to incorporate, to use it. What are some tools, tips you may have for responsible use?
3: Mm. tools for responsible use i think paying attention to what your reactions are to the content that you see just because it's entertaining that doesn't mean that it's good for your central nervous system really pay attention to what you walk away from that content with how you walk away feeling you know i was anti this a couple of years ago but i think i'm for it now but curating your page making sure you block things that that you don't want to see making sure that you block people that spew hurtful or hateful messages that if you have the level of awareness that you internalize, perhaps um, responsible social media usage is also doing a little bit of research on the person that you're listening to, not mm-hmm. popping up on them in the neighborhood when they're trying to look for their package and spitting their whole LinkedIn bio <laughs> at them. I'm not talking about that, but it we've seen folks get taken advantage of by big social media personalities who are not who they say they were. Once the cameras go off, they're completely different people. And the evidence was there. Sometimes we just didn't dig enough for it. Perhaps those people were making us feel good or validating our experiences or whatever. But I said it in the very beginning of this, of this pod, we got to consider the source. Who are you? What qualifies you to give me information? How do you implement this stuff in your own personal life? Or where are the examples that you've given this to people and it's somehow been effective? Anybody Mm. can have a nice mic. Anybody can buy a pair of headphones. Anybody can look like an authority in anything these days. If I put on a police uniform, you'll think I'm an officer. You're not going to ask more questions than that. You got to be really conscientious about who these people are and what they represent outside of the fact that they're providing you with entertainment or validating the experience you have and making you feel good. Thank you for
2: all of that. As I mentioned, you know, it is here to stay. And I know that we think of it as, oh, how do I get rid of it? And I try to think of how do we incorporate it in a useful way? No doubt. How do we manage our usage? You know, it's it's the new TV. You know, when mm-hmm. TV came on the scene, oh, it was just, whew, it's just wrecking your brain. You're just watching the tube, <laughs> you know? What, it's like, what do they
3: call it? The idiot box, right? The idiot
2: box. Oh my yes. gosh. You know, we got a new idiot box and it's portable. And mm-hmm. so it's about figuring out a way to incorporate it into your life. Or, you know, there are some people who don't watch TV. There may be some people who don't use social media. So figuring out where it fits for you.
3: Absolutely. Can I say one more thing? You just yes. made me think about. There is, I see you got Atomic Habits back there. Mm-hmm. There's another book I read called uh, The Coddling of the American Mind. I know one mm-hmm. of the authors was Jonathan Haidt. And in it, they made this really unique comparison to, you know, people, how people lived hundreds of thousands of years ago in today and how everything in our society today is really exaggerated. If you eat a Dorito, my God, it's the boldest, most flavorful thing. Like nothing in nature tastes like that. But a Dorito doesn't come from nature. A Dorito is engineered it's been designed over decades to have the right amount of crunch to give you the reward system when you mm, bite into it, done perfected so it.
2: Ooh, the, the right cool amount ranch.
3: of zest the cool
2: the cool ranch oh. it's a wrap give me that thing that's not healthy
3: <laughs> I almost dug the whole bag for breakfast, it's ridiculous but the, I, our phones are the same, yeah. this thing has the perfect weight, it's so ergonomic they, they mm-hmm. did such a good job, it feels good in your hands, it has a nice smooth side to it, you can open it up and have pictures of things that you love like your family, my wallet is in here, my, all my passwords are in here, it is designed to keep us like this and I see a lot of content that's all about, oh, you all are hooked on social media and hooked on phones. How can we not be? Mm-hmm. It ha- they hacked our brains. It's perfectly designed to be addicting. So I think as we forge forward with this relationship with social media, I, I believe we need to cohabitate with it. It's not the enemy. We just need to be more mindful of usage. But as we forge forward with this relationship, we need to not guilt ourselves into falling into a perfectly designed trap that is inescapable.
2: Mm-hmm i love that okay where can the people find you what's next i take that back i don't want to know what's next i'm gonna let you be present in what he is where can people find you
3: i like you (laughs) because you'll be i don't even know if i could talk about what's next i've been signing so many ndas (laughs) and stuff man
2: (laughs) where can they find you brother
3: People can find me on Instagram. My name is Kier Gaines, K-I-E-R-G-A-I-N-E-S. Come join the community. I talk about family. I talk about love. I talk about self-acceptance and self-awareness, but not preachy, not preachy at all. And you can also find me on YouTube at Kier Noemi. My wife and I have a channel together. We have a really dope podcast called The Sit Down Talk. It's about relationships. And we would love to have you come aboard. Absolutely.
2: Thank you for your time. I know that so many people will benefit from this. Um, People are seeing therapists who look like them and who have a different flavor from what they've seen. I think you help younger people embrace therapy and people like you said, like people who will never see anyone like you Mm -hmm. um, be able to see someone like you and have a different depiction. So thank you so much for your contribution to the social media space and you know just the planet. Thank you. You need to hear this is an iHeart production hosted by me, Nadra Glover Tawab. Our executive producer is Joelle Bonique. Our senior producer and editor is Mia Don Taylor. Send us a voice memo with your questions about boundaries and relationships at you need to hear this at iHeartMedia.com. Please be sure to rate our show wherever you listen to it and share this episode with someone who needs to hear this. Talk to you next time.
1: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here.
1: And I'm Austin Hankwitz.
0: We're the hosts of Mind the Business,
2: Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.